If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. Doing the will of God. How many people would say doing the will of God is easy? I would say it is not easy. Sometimes it's very difficult to do the will of God because there's an evil out there that tries to keep us from doing the will of God. Let's turn our Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 7. And let's start at verse 21. Romans 7, 21. And this is the great apostle Paul writing. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind, I am a slave to God's law. But in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. As you read about the Apostle Paul, you see where he struggled to do good. He writes, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do it. But what I hate, I do. Paul, a saint, but he was not sinless. And when I look at Paul's life, I realize that the thing that made Paul great was that he never gave up. He never gave up. When things came against him, when evil would come against him, he never bowed the knee. He always followed Jesus. And we have to be just like Paul, because there's not a person in this room that who has not messed up one time or another. But the secret is that we have to get up. If we're going to do the will of God, do what he's called us to do, because God has called every one of you to do something for him. Everybody has a perfect will in your life for God. God made you. You're, you're, you've been bought by a price. You're not your own. And help us not to be what James wrote. Help us not to be hearers of the word, but doers. So how are we going to accomplish this thing called the will of God in our lives? I'm going to share three things that I believe that we've got to have going on in our life if we're going to fulfill the will of God in our life. Of course, we know that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the most essential 
And I'm not going to be preaching about that today. And if you haven't been baptized by the Holy Spirit, I ask you, I implore you to get out there and begin to seek after God. You read every scripture there is about the Holy Spirit and say, God, is this gift for me? And the answer will always be the same. Yes, this gift is for you. Seek after the Holy Spirit. So what's the first thing that we got to have if we are going to fulfill the will of God? The first thing that we got to know, we got to know the Word. We have to know what this Word of God says. You cannot accomplish the will of God without knowing the Word of God. It is impossible. The Word of God is like a GPS. Anybody ever use one of those things? I use them every day because I get lost real easy. And the two things that GPS has to have, it has to know where you're at and where you're going. And when you look into the Word of God, you realize where you're at. See, a lot of times we compare ourselves with other believers. Well, I'm better than Dave Christie, so, man, I don't have to really try real hard. But see, that's not who I compare my life with. I compare my life with what Jesus says in His Word. And when I compare my life with what the Word says, you know what? I have a long ways to go. And you know what? You have a long ways to go. I know some of you really well. You have a long, long way to go. <laughs> Just like all of us. When we compare ourselves to the Word of God, we realize, man, Lord, am I falling short. If the Apostle Paul had trouble following the will of God, how much more do we have? But the main thing about God is he can do great things through you if you allow him to. I love what it says in 2 Timothy. It says, study to show yourself approved to God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's a lot of churches that are way off kilter now because you know what? Or why? It's because they've got away from the word of God. If God says something is sin, I don't care how you dress it up, I don't care how you mark it up, it is sin. You can pass every law you want, you can have a thousand people march for that right. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. It's just like if you had a pig, and you put a wig on that pig, you put makeup on that pig, you dressed up that pig, you put him in the finest clothes, you know what you have? you got a pig. No matter how you dress it up, you still have a pig. And sin is the same way. No matter how you dress it up, I don't care how many people vote on it, I don't care how many people march for that right, it's still sin. Because it has to line up with the Word of God. Don't be deceived. Just because the crowd is saying, it's okay to do this, you're not going that way. Don't be deceived. And a lot of churches nowadays have allowed sin to stand up here and preach the word. And if someone comes to you and says, I know what the word of God says, but let me tell you what it means. You run from that person. Don't even give him the time of day, because what the word of God says is what it means. I don't need you to interpret it. If the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. It's like if you were the pilot of a plane, and before you got on that plane, they give you a course of where you're going to go, 
what time you're going to arrive, and where you're going to land. But today you're the pilot, and you say, you know what? I know I'm going to Florida, but I don't like to go that route. I don't want to fly down the East Coast. I've been there a thousand times. This time I'm going to fly over West Virginia. I'm going to fly over Kentucky. I'm going to fly over Tennessee. I'm going to go the scenic route. You know what's going to happen? You're going to crash, and you're going to burn. Right, Justin? He knows all about it. He can fly a plane. Now, I don't want to fly with him, but he can fly a plane. <laughs> and when he gets in that plane, they give him a course, and he has to stick to that course, because you know what? There's other planes in the way. They can run into you. And the Bible is just like that. The Bible tells you to stay on course. Don't deviate from it, because if you do, you will crash you will burn. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We need that light. We work in a dark, dying world, and we need the light of God's word to illuminate the path before us. Because if it doesn't, we will stumble, we will fall. Psalm 43 says, Send forth your light and your truth, they will guide me. If there's one thing lacking in today's world, it's truth. We need the truth. If you don't think you need the truth, next time you go to the bank, say, you know what? You've got a lot of money in this bank, and I feel in my spirit I feel that it's very truthful that you need to give me $1,000. I don't have $1,000 in my account, but I feel that you have more money than you can use, so give me 1000 You know what's going to happen, don't you? They're going to put handcuffs on you, they're going to take you away to jail, because that's not truth. It's not your money. They're not going to give it to you. The truth. And when you begin to read the Word of God, you find out what really is true and what really is not true. So the first thing we need in our life is to know the Word of God inside and out. The other day I was talking to a young person. He was talking about dating a non-believer. I said, well, what's the Word of God say about that? Well, the Word of God says I shouldn't be yoked together with that non-believer, but I can win her to the Lord. No, you can't. <laughs> Let God win her to the Lord and then begin to date her. Because that's what God wants. Don't be yoked up with a non-believer. Don't think that you know more than the Word of God. I was also talking to a young couple that were thinking about getting a divorce. We have fallen out of love, you know, and it's time to move on. And I began to say, you know what God says? He hates divorce. Fall back in love and get on with marriage. Because you know what will happen? You'll get, you'll get divorced. You'll move on. You'll find another woman. And in two or three years down the road, you will fall out of love again. So what you did that day when you stood before God and say, I do, I will, I won't break this vow. You did that before God Almighty. Stay true to the Word of God. 
1978, there was a guy named Jim Jones. You ever heard of Jim Jones? And all those people, 909, died that day. Why? Because they got away from this. And they looked towards a man who said, I am Jesus Christ in the flesh. And they began to believe him. And they died. And they perished. Because they got away from the word of God. You know the word of God. You study the word of God. If you don't know that much about the word of God, hang around people that do. If you want to know how to fix a car, hang around a mechanic. That's how it, that's how it works, right? I don't, hang, I don't hang around a guy that does computer work and say, hey, how about my car? Can we work on it? No, I don't want him touching my car. Hang around a mechanic. And the same thing is true about the word of God. Hang around people that know the word of God and say, I don't understand what this scripture says right here. What does it mean? Study to show yourself approved. Know the word of God. What's the second thing that we need to have in our life? Is that we got to learn how to walk by faith. Because God's will is way beyond your capability. You cannot fulfill the will of God in your own strength. You can't do it. You will fail every time. Walking by faith. And how do you get faith? It says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's how you build up your faith. Hang around people that have the faith. Those that are naysayers and always mean-mouthing people and always degrading things and they're saying, you can't do this and you can't do that. Get rid of those people in your life and begin to hang around people that can build up your faith. So that when God calls you to do something way beyond your ability, and he will. He will call you to do something that you cannot do in your own flesh. Because you are going to walk by faith and not by sight. According to the word of God, most of the world is unseen. We think we know it all, we see it. But according to the word of God, a lot is out there we don't see, we don't comprehend, we don't know. So we have to learn how to walk by faith. And it's not easy. Because what happens is, when God calls us to do something, we begin to become afraid of failure. I don't want to do this, God, because I might fail. You know, Lord, I'm too young, I'm too old, I don't have any money. We can give all those excuses, but they're just excuses. Because with God, what does God say? With me, you can do all things. You can do all things. So no matter what God has called you to do, you can do it. So don't be afraid of failing. The great inventor Thomas Edison, his teachers wrote, he had two teachers write this. And they both said the same thing. He is too stupid to learn anything. Thomas Edison, who invented so many inventions, he had two teachers say he was too stupid to learn anything. And he was hired by these two employees. Two companies hired him. And both of them fired him because he was non-productive. He doesn't know what he's doing. We've got to get rid of him. 
I can guarantee you one thing. Later on in life, those guys that fired Thomas Edison, I bet you they were fired. I'd fire them. This guy could have made us a lot of money. And you fired Thomas Edison? Thomas Edison said, I didn't fail a thousand times inventing the light bulb. I just found a thousand ways that were not correct. Which is true, right? It said it took him over a thousand experiments to invent the light bulb. And that's how we got to look at life. When things begin to trip us up and you will mess up, there's not a person in this room that will not mess up when you're following after God. You will do it. I've done it. And if you haven't messed up yet, just wait till you get a little bit older. You will mess up. But the great thing is that we can get back up and you can move on with God. Because he doesn't hold it against you. The great apostle Paul, he never worried about failure. He always got up. He always moved on. And when you read the Word of God, you read about how people were in over their heads. Moses in the Red Sea and over his head. Joshua, walls of Jericho and over his head. There's no way you can defeat this city. David and Goliath. You talk about somebody in way over his head. Queen Esther. But you know what? They all had faith to realize that it's through God that's going to defeat the giant. It's through God who's going to rescue us by the Red Sea. He's going to part the waters. It's God who's going to tear the walls of Jericho down. It's God. You and God make a majority. No one can defeat you as long as you stay on his side. Our trouble is sometimes we get ahead of God. We move on without God, and man, we fail. But if you do, get back up. Get in your feet. Dust yourself off. Get back into the game. In December of last year, I got a phone call from our missionary, Dale Codes. And Dale Codes called me and said, Dave, you know the project you're working on down in the Bahamas? Pastor Wells was here last week. We were working, we've been working on this church for about four or five years now. And uh, he said, we got a problem. I said, what's the problem? He said, well, they need 125000 to put the roof on. 125000 And Dale said, you know what? I don't know if we could do that. I don't know if we should just walk away from the project and let them worry about their roof. And I said, how much did you say, Dale? He said, 125000 And then Dale said, you know what I'm thinking about doing? I said, he was thinking about, okay, we'll have six teams come and six teams will put the roof on. I said, Dale, that's going to take us two years to do that. And the bad thing about putting a roof on, when you start it, you have to complete it because the winds will come and they will rip the roof right off your building. And I said, Dale, you know what? Let's just pray about it. The next day I called Dale up. I said, Dale, the Lord's laid on my heart. We're going to raise the money. Now, when we do mission trips... As you know, we go every six months. We raise about $20,000. That's hard enough to raise $20,000, but now this is 125000 
And I said, well, you know, we got over 350 churches. I'll send letters out to the churches, and they'll help us. And the Lord laid on my heart, don't ask the churches for a dime. All the churches are hurting right now because their attendance down. Don't ask the churches, ask the people. So we sent out letters. We prayed over these letters. We sent them out, $125,000 worth of uh, letters, it seemed like. And you know what? God moved. January, February, March the 7th. Two months and about seven days. You know how much money we had? 125000 I don't know. I just know we serve a great God. And when the need is great, he's greater. And right now, in the Bahamas, they're getting ready to put the roof on because of people. And you know who gave the most? This amazed me. A widow lady gave the most. She gave $12,500. And I go, that's kind of an odd amount. $12,500. She goes, can't you do math? It's 10%. Wow. I wish I'd have thought of that. We serve a great God. He stretches us. And he will stretch you like never before if you will allow him. He wants to use everyone in this room to complete the task that he's called you to do. And as long as you learn to walk by faith and not by sight, you can do it. It says in Proverbs, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I had a great lady pastor years ago before I ever got involved in missions, and she said this, and she meant it. She goes, Dave, it's just another zero. Ten dollars, hundred dollars, a hundred thousand, it's just another zero. And I said, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> what do you mean it's just another zero? It's a lot more money. But she, that's how she lived her life. It's just another zero. It is nothing to God. $125, $125,000, it's just another zero to God. And that's how our God works. And he wants to work through you and me. And then thirdly and finally, we have to listen to the voice. When God begins to call, when God begins to share something with you, you've got to listen to the voice, no matter how crazy it may be. 
When God told me to mail out those letters, I'm thinking, this is the dumbest thing God I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm going to ask these people to help raise 125000 And you know how much we're going, to get? we're going to get back? We're going to waste our money mailing out news. How much does a, a letter cost now? 50 cents a, a stamp? I have no idea. I don't mail anything. I said, we're going to waste all that money on stamps. But not one stamp was wasted. It says in John chapter 10, it says, He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he calls, he goes ahead of his sheep, and they follow him because they know his voice. The longer you serve God, the longer you walk with God, you will know the voice of God when you hear it. There's a lot of voices out there. But the longer you stay in touch with God, you will know that it's God and it's his voice that's telling you to do what he's telling you to do. I remember years ago, we were in West Virginia. We were at Linda's grandmother's house. And she loves animals. And the guy next door, he had all these sheep on this hill. And she realized that it's feeding time. He was going to feed these sheep, this one little baby lamb, I guess you call it, with the bottle. And then we were over there, and then they was asking him, well, how are you going to get that sheep down from way up on that hill? He goes, I'm going to call his name. I said, i got to see this, man. There's like 30 sheep up there. And then all of a sudden he goes, Bucky, Bucky. And only one little sheep raised his head. Bucky. He held that bottle up, and that little sheep almost killed itself coming down that mountain to get that bottle. Because the sheep knew the shepherd's voice. And God is saying the same thing to you and to me. Listen to my voice. And you'll know. You'll know it when you hear it. You'll be amazed. And when God calls you to do it, don't say, you got the wrong guy, Jack. I don't call God Jack, but don't ever do that. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. No, you don't make mistakes. When he calls you, he knows with you and him, it's going to be done. 1 Samuel 15 says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as obeying his voice? Jesus said this, Blessed are those that hear the word and obey it. Hearing the voice of God. I have a little video I'd like to show you. And... Charlie's going to play that. It's called Listen to the Voice. And as we play it, I want you to just kind of say, Lord, it's been a long time since I really listened to your voice, but I'm willing to do it today. So if Charlie can do that, I was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. 
a pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here and I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it. You got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up and it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're gonna. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently and we start climbing and it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing and we flew probably three, four minutes and something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? <laughs> now it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head and he starts mumbling and he passes out, passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you gotta wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that, yes. He said, what are we gonna do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello. Don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, tell them we don't know nothing. Tell them we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell them that's correct. Now you gotta understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm gonna do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm gonna get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we gotta do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you gotta promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not gonna obey my voice, you're gonna die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're gonna crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said, I have to follow your voice? Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand, 
Without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm, just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it. But listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices. And everybody in this world wants to talk to you. And everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop. And the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about four in the morning. The knock at my door. And I opened the door and a man was standing there, he said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. A living sacrifice, holy. God speaks to individuals. 
And God is saying a lot of things in, in your life. So listen to that voice. Whatever God tells you to do it, you do it. No matter how big it may be, no matter how impossible it may seem, listen to the voice.